if we don't have an mm. educated workforce, why are they going over the hill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. And so when people like want to bring a program or something like that, I say, why don't you bring a division of your company, train our people, the people that live here, and give them a livable wage with benefits. You're listening to the 209 Journey podcast, and I'm your host, Luis Urbano. And in today's episode, this episode 51, or if we're following chronologically on the podcast platforms, season two, episode 17, I'm going to be talking to Christina Fugazi. She's going to be Stockton's mayor, which elections are coming soon, March 5th, Tuesday, literally about a week uh, from when we're recording. Uh, if y'all haven't uh, filled out your ballots, get them filled out. You can already get them um, sent out early so you get it done. Or if you want to wait till Tuesday and vote in person, there is that option uh, for everyone there as well. But Christina, welcome to the 209 Journey. So glad that we we're able to get this interview coordinated before uh, Election Day. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Luis, for having me. I'm sorry I didn't see your message sooner because otherwise we could have done this weeks ago. But I'm happy to be here tonight on your show, on your podcast. Oh, yeah. No, it's all good. You know, you saw it before the fifth. And I think that's that's all that matters, right? Is that we're able to get this out there uh, quickly, get people hearing more about your story, which you told me a little bit about it offline. And I'm really excited for you to share that with everyone else. So people get to know a little bit more of your family's history in Stockton, Lodi, which is really awesome. I didn't even know who the founder of Stockton was. And I'm like, oh. That makes Mm -hmm. sense why their last name is like mentioned throughout the city. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, hopefully this is just part one. Hopefully (laughs) after March 5th, we can have part two. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. After that, unless you, of course, get like more than 50% of the vote and then we won't even. Well, then we'll have a regular. (laughs) I'll be a regular guest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, then we'll have a a guest. uh, And so uh, really excited to have you on. Uh, I know I have had. A mayor on before the Modesto mayor, uh, who's actually running for re-election soon. And so it's really cool to just hear more of these stories. I'm someone that wants to get more into city council. So it's really interesting to hear all the experiences that people like yourself have. And so I'm excited to hear more about your time with the city of Stockton and how, how that's been like for you. But before we get to that part, what it was for you to grow up in Lodi and also your family's history in the Stockton and Lodi area. Yes. So my family has been in this area since the mid 1800s. On my grandfather's side, they were farmers and they actually started the Earl Fruit Company. And then on my my grandmother's side, my great great grandfather was beaver trapper and commercial fisherman and lived on the Delta and helped do the deep water channel so that we have beautiful Weber Point. And so from there, you know, my grandmother married my grandfather, obviously, and they had a farm, like they had acreage in Lodi at that time. And so we literally lived down the street. My grandmother could see our house from her house And she would call on the phone and say, put your father on the phone. And I'd be like, Grandma, he's not here. He's pulling up right now. And so because this is before cordless phones, you know, you had a cord. It only went so far. But I had an amazing childhood. I went to my mom's 
parents home every Friday for dinner, every Friday night for dinner, even from college, I'd come home and go there to eat on Friday nights. And then I would go to the Italian side to my grandmother and grandfather's house for breakfast on Sundays after church. So we would go to church and then we would go there for breakfast. So like I said, amazing childhood. I played sports. I, I, I did piano. I could walk or ride my bike anywhere in the city and I didn't have anything to worry about. But I knew when I was five years old, I wanted to be a teacher. So that was always the path that I was on. So my parents asked me, you know, I could have went to St. Mary's. My brother went to St. Mary's High School and they asked me if I wanted to go to St. Mary's. And I said, no, I'll go to the public school because I'm going to need to save money. We're going to need to save money so I can go to college. And so that's what I did. I ended up going to Lodi High. And when I graduated from there, I was only 17. And I went off then to UC Davis, which reminded me of home. It's a small town surrounded by agriculture. So it reminded me of home. And it wasn't too far away. I mean, I was away, but not too far away that I couldn't come home uh, or my parents couldn't come up and, and visit me if they wanted to. And so went to Davis. And then came right back home and I started teaching pretty much right away within like six months of me coming home, I started teaching. Well, that's really awesome to be able to <laughs> graduate and get into your career field. And I know you started teaching at, at Toke and you were there for like seven years. So just tell more about what that was like. I, I, I'm familiar with the school because my mom went there, my uncles went there. So, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I actually, I took a long-term sub position. So a teacher left their position and I was just subbing. And then they were like, hey, you're doing a great job. Because back then you only got paid $65 a day to sub. And if you were a long-term sub, you got $80 a day. But it got to the point where I'm like, I'm doing all the lesson plans. I'm doing the grades. I, I, I'm doing all the work. Can I get a contract? So I had gotten into Sac State's teacher credentialing program, but because I was already working in a job, I decided to do national university where I could go at night and teach during the day. So they put me under contract and I was there. I ended up coaching the softball team, announcing freshman football in charge of the cheerleader score kept basketball. I mean, because I love sports and high school was the time of my life. So I love high school. So I wanted my students to love high school as much as I did. And so just very involved on campus doing prom. I ended up being student government and activities advisor. I created the marine biology program there. Just really a great time there as well. But yeah, I was there seven years. So quite a bit of time. And then I got a job with UC Davis working specifically in Stockton Unified because back then Stockton kids were bused. There was no McNair. So Stockton kids were bused to Tokay to go to school. So a majority of my students lived in uh, Stockton because the cutoff was Kettleman Lane. So if you lived south of Kettleman Lane, but there wasn't a lot of development south of Kettleman Lane to go to Tokay High School. Oh, yeah. I remember that time. Actually, my uncle uh, used to live over in the Murata area. And yeah, he had to get bussed out to Tokay. And it was always interesting to me, right? It's like, 
how do they have to go all the way out there when there should be another high school here? And of course, I think is last year around there, there's a McNair that came to the scene. And it's like, oh, okay, there it is. There <laughs> you don't it have to is. go too far. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no, I think it's great that you were really into sports and you were encouraging that because I always say that sports, yeah, you get the exercise from it, but there's so much that you learn just like life skills, right? Just in yeah. being a part of sports, whether it's actually competitively or just for fun, during pee, during lunch, whatever that might be, you just get to learn so much and experience. And it's, so it's multi-benefit is what I call it. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I will tell you, my softball team, I had one student that got a full-ride scholarship for softball. But most of my kids, they didn't even play competitive. And so this was some of them. This was their first time playing a sport. And the first year, it was rough. I'm not going to lie. It was rough. We, we didn't do so great. But the second year, because I got to keep most of those same kids, they really started to gel. I mean, they were a family. We were a family. And they would back each other up. You know, there's a fly ball. And one student's going, one of my players is going to catch it. And another player's right next to them. So in case they drop it, they could catch it. That's how well they work together. And we ended up beating my alma mater, Lodi High School. And my coach was still coaching there, Rich Spickerman. And he was so upset that we beat Lodi High. He's like, we don't lose to Tokay High School. <laughs> I said, well, coach, they got me. So I know, I know how Lodi plays. <laughs> and so like my pitcher, she threw her glove. We didn't, you know, so high in the air. It just everybody was just so excited that to finally beat Lodi and win you know, a championship. Oh, and it was, yeah. I mean, it was a championship too. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you guys needed a Lodi alumni to actually make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, those stories are interesting when you're here in sports, right? Someone comes back, they're, you know, now coaching against their team that they played at or the, against the team that they coached at at some point. And right. it just makes for interesting uh, sports stories because anything can happen you could be on oh, any yeah. team and, <laughs> and and my dad would always say hey don't forget you're a flame because it's the Lodi flames huh? and your blood runs red and I'm like well dad <laughs> actually if you look it looks kind of purple you know through the skin it's not till it becomes oxygenated that you see you know the red color and and he's like you know but but it was it was great I I really enjoyed a toke because it was so multicultural as well because we had the kids who came in. So I had students that were, you know, Cambodian. I had, uh, you know, African-American students because at Lodi High, I think there were maybe three students that were African-American. But when I went to college, I had, you know, friends of all different backgrounds. So when I had the opportunity, I was actually offered a teaching position at Lodi High. And I said, no, I want to be at Toke because I felt that it was a better representation of our country as a whole because it there were so many different cultures at Toke High School as opposed to Lodi High. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're located in different areas, different neighborhoods. I just got the chance to go to Lodi High School a few weeks back for an event, and yeah, I, I could tell that it's it's so different, right? The neighborhoods there versus all the neighborhoods that are more closer to the Tokyo area too. Yes. Well, 
I know that. Uh, oh, yeah. I know that you actually were also a high school science teacher at yeah. Venture Academy. So tell me more about your 15 years there and what kind of science did you teach? Okay, so <laughs> another long story. <laughs> so I had been working for UC Davis and Stockton Unified School District. And my job was to create the college-going culture. And I was specifically put at Franklin because a lot of the kids on the east side were, even though they were qualified to go to university, they just weren't. So for four years, there was, a, there was six kids that went to UC Davis over those four years. And then when I came on board, I had nearly 150 kids who were accepted uh, to UC Davis. And the first group, there were like 30 kids that my first graduating class, there were like 30 kids, a little over 30, who ended up going to UC Davis. And we got a bus and we brought their parents up there so they could see the campus because a lot of them came from Spanish speaking families. And they were, you know, they didn't know what college was going to be like. They didn't want their little girls, you know, going off to college you know, in another city, they wanted them close to home, you know, you can go to Delta. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let them, you know, let your, your daughter go and, and, you know, experience the college life. And uh, I'm in contact with several of those kids over my time at Franklin, but not all kids go to college. Not all kids have to go to college or should go to college. So they were taking out their CTE programs, but back then, you know, shop class, you know, uh, carpentry, you know, all those programs they were mm -hmm. taking out of, out of the school and they were saying everybody is going to college. And that kind of scared me. So there was currently a charter school out through the county. It's a public school. And I had an idea to create a school that revolved around water because water is life. And so we ended up naming it Delta because Delta is a chemical symbol for change. But Delta is our water. It's our lifeblood right here in the Central Valley. So Delta and then Vista, Visionary Integration of Science, Technology and Academics. Mm -hmm. So I wrote the charter petition with a couple other teachers and it got approved and then it became part of Venture Academy. So there. I taught methods of scientific inquiry. I taught earth and space science. I taught biology. I taught health. I did PE. I did freshman English, sophomore English, coached boys soccer, coached girls soccer, coached boys flag football, coached girls softball. Again, just totally entrenched in my students there and in high school. Yeah. Uh, well, you were saying earlier about the uh, like, all those classes like wood making and all that. I mean, I noticed that too, because my mom would tell me about all the classes, <laughs> you know, the, all the selection of classes that, yeah, they weren't really meant maybe for someone who was trying to go to college more to gain life skills that can help right. you in, in a profession. And even my uncle who actually graduated a few years before I did also had the opportunity to have a <laughs> wood making class. And so it's, it's a shame that they just stopped those all completely. Because even for those of us who went to college, it would have been nice to pick up some of those skills while you were in high school. Right. And, you know, whether you use them for an actual profession or not, it's just kind of nice to be able to say, like, 
I could do this. I could do that. And, I, hey, we yeah. had a storm and the fence came down and you could put the fence back up. You don't have to hire somebody. You could do it yourself. A lot of those yeah. things, or you can do maybe an oil change on your car, or at least know mm -hmm. how to change a tire on your car. But those are now back. I mean, it was it, back then it was called ROP, regional occupational programs. And now it's called CTE, career technical education, mm -hmm. because only 33% of the jobs out there require a four-year degree or higher. The rest are, are a lot of skilled labor. So you can go through apprenticeship programs and have no college debt. And while you're being an apprentice, you're making $27 an hour or upwards of that. I mean, you could be owning a home at 22 years of age when somebody else is just graduating from college and has $200,000 worth of debt. So there are so many opportunities because when the plumber comes to my house, just showing up is 100 bucks. You know, they're making six figures a year. So it's great, great opportunities. And and here in Stockton, we're blessed with having unions right here and apprenticeship programs. It's a matter of getting that information to students. But a lot of the schools now are having a career pathway because we have an obligation to graduate our kids college and or career ready. Well, I'm really glad that they're making a, a comeback. It's a shame that when I was around, they, they kind of like faded away Cut for a, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, because yeah. especially that, that auto course, I mean, fundamental things, things that you could use when you're out there, you know, to change your tire. I mean, Definitely. change your oil change. Think of how much that could save you per year. Oh, <laughs> it yeah. Could save you a lot. Well, over time, I should say, mainly. And then just other general things to look out for and, and all that. So, uh. Glad, glad they're doing that because, yeah, I know a lot of people that, that they didn't directly go to college. They did something else. And so it's nice for them to be able to have those skills that they could still utilize and not feel the pressure of like coming to go to college. Or if it's not for them, they could still say like, you know what, right. this isn't for me. But I, I do like that aspect of, of working in cars. Right. And maybe they just go and get certified and something specifically. And like you said, they don't have to go through the whole college process and taking out loans and, and all that, because that, that takes a toll on you and it does. hopefully and, that gets and, fixed. Yeah. And I will tell you, you know, we have the Delta water supply project up in North Stockton, where we take water out of the Delta, treat it, and then it becomes potable water that goes to people's homes and comes out in their sinks. Well, you don't need a college degree for those jobs. And they're making the, we have a T5 plant operator. And he's making, you know, $250,000 a year and didn't need a college degree. You have to go through the certification courses. You have to do your hours. You know, you take classes online. But, you know, if you know basic chemistry, you, you know, you can go ahead and, and become a water treatment specialist. And you can get a job pretty much anywhere because, again, going back to water, water is life. Everybody needs water. and so. There are so many mud municipal utilities district where wastewater is, where our sewage goes. They have entry level jobs there that you have your college, your high school diploma. You can work your way up just with that high school diploma. But if you don't know about it, if you don't know these jobs exist, how would you know even to apply for it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think more awareness uh, needs to be made about that and. 
again, encouraging all the people who may have not gone to college to be like, hey, you could still get a good oh, paying yeah. job, maybe even get paid a lot mm-hmm. more than like some of us college graduates. Than a right? teacher. Than <laughs> a teacher. <laughs> Which I guess, you know, depending on how, how much they have to do, how much skills are required, then, you know, when they're out there, I'm like, you know, what, I'm not, I won't, I won't complain if they're making more than, than I am as a college graduate. If it's something oh, yeah. super technical, something that is so critical that, you know, they, they, they're making a difference. It's like, yeah, you found your thing. You still had to prepare yourself to get oh, there. Yeah. And that's, that's all that matters. Uh, even if you don't have a loan to deal with. <laughs> right. No, I've always said, you know, I love my job. You got to find something that you truly love and then it's not work. Uh, I I have never had a bad day. And people are like, wait, come on, you've had a bad day. I go, but there's always something good that has happened that day. And that's what I try to focus on. Because education, you get to be part of kids' lives. And and as I've said, I've had a number of students that I keep in touch with. The second election I won when I won my re-election, the person who swore me in was a former student who now is doctor. She, Dr. Raxmi Rowian, and uh, she swore me in, and she was my student when she was in high school. And she brought her kids. She had five kids and brought them, and I just couldn't have been prouder. I was more proud of her than I thought people should be proud of me for winning my reelection. Wow, that, that's really awesome to be able to <laughs> to see that progression over time, and you know, oh, for yeah. her also, I'm sure to see you how much you've accomplished and to get to that point it's yeah that that's the great thing about staying local right wherever like you start your career because then people get to know you and you come across so many people that you've interacted with at some point right and so yes. they, they they see you again and, and you see how much they've progressed and and all that well we're, we're kind of already talking about that so i want to get to talking about the city of stockton and when you first ran for being the planning commissioner Tell me more about how that came about. I mean, you were, you know, in the education fields and all that. So what made you interested in being a part of the planning commission? Okay, so I didn't know what a planning commissioner was. Okay, so it's not elected, it's appointed. But there was somebody in my neighborhood that was running for office and they knocked on my door. I was at home and you know, they told me a little bit about themselves and they were a teacher too. And I said, Ooh, a teacher. Yes. You've got my support. Anything you need, you want to put a sign up, but you can count on my vote. Okay. And then after the election, they won. And I'm like, yay, I picked a winner, 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 chicken dinner. Anyway, the person that won reached back out to me and said, hello. And I was like, Oh, congratulations. And then she was like, I remember, you know, you're a teacher. And you're a science teacher. And I said, yes. And she goes, you know how to ask questions. I said, oh, every day. Science is all about asking questions and trying to find the answers. And then she said, what do you think about maps? Well, I also teach AP human geography. I love maps. I love geography. So she said, well, how about you, you know, consider being my planning commissioner. Now, planning commissioner, to have somebody out of the blue reach out to you, it's unheard of because it is a very politically charged position. So she said, okay, call this guy, Mark Martinez, and ask him about it. And I said, uh, I said, okay. But instead, I called my dad. And I'm like, dad. So this, this city council member just asked me to be their planning commissioner. And he goes, what? 
that doesn't happen. What did you do for their campaign? I said, I just supported them. But, you know, and he's just like, well, you better take it. I go, it's a four year commitment. I got to go to meetings on Thursday nights and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I coach or I've got school or whatever, but I made it to those meetings and I ended up serving for eight years on planning commission, went through a general plan, which is huge. It's a huge document. It literally scopes out the future development of our city, where resources are, where open space is. It talks about our firefighters and our police officers. I mean, there's a little bit of everything in a general plan and there's rules and regulations you have to abide by. So I learned so much through that process and I truly got a deep understanding of government, how government works. Because most people, you know, oh, the president, whatever. But local government, you can see and feel every day. And it impacts your life like nothing else. And so when the person who appointed me, they got elected to assembly. They worked their way up and, and then got elected to assembly. And it was now Senator Susan Eggman who appointed me. And then I ran for her vacant seat. So, the, uh, you know, I never had any plans to run for office, but I had people in the community that said, you should do this. You would be great, a great representative, because I was already a public servant as a teacher, a public school teacher. And I loved I loved being there to encourage and support and hopefully inspire students. So why not? do it with adults too, as a representative for them on city council. So then I ran for, I I ran for the vacant seat, which is an appointment. And I didn't win that, but people said, no, 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 no. You need to run for the position. So I did. And then I won the election. And so, yeah, I served two terms then as a city council member. Well, you know, I always say, right, little moments in one's life, change right and that knock on your door is what you know led you to being here (laughs) we're talking right now because of that knock (laughs) yes yes it it was and and the funny thing is is like i don't believe in coincidences i believe Mm -hmm. everything happens for a reason i believe that there's a plan for you for me for all of us we just got to get out of our own way sometimes and so i i believe that this is exactly where I was supposed to be. No, oh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, given all your history and like you said, as a teacher and all that, so now translate into helping overall, right? More people in the community. I think it's it's a good transition to go through, right? Be in that public servant role and now transitioning to the bigger picture, now serving an entire city as well. Yeah. Well, in your eight years there as a city council member, how was that like, right? I mean, you're transitioning into this other position right before you know like you said it was appointed now you were actually in this seat we were talking 2015 first year how was that like for you now being in, in a whole different position well from the beginning it it was not easy not because i didn't understand process but because it was political so the mayor appointed me as his vice mayor, the current mayor at that time, nominated me to be his his vice mayor. 
Well, and people were like, well, why didn't you pick uh, somebody that's already on council? Why are you picking this new person? But I had been chair of the planning commission. So I knew how to run meetings. I, that wasn't the problem. It was just that I was new. And so people automatically had things to say. And I will tell you that first election, there were people on council that said horrible things about me, said that I was corrupt. I was part of a gang of, of a former sheriff that I've never met. And I said, I'm corrupt. I've never even taken a pencil. Like I provide supplies to my students. I pay out of my pocket all the time. But because I was seen as, I don't know, somebody who was independent, thinks for themselves, is a little bit outspoken. You know, I, I, I had people creating a narrative of me that was a false narrative. It was not the truth. And it continues today. You know, people will make stuff up or will over embellish, you know, something that has a sliver of truth to it and put it out there for people. And with social media, you know, it's just taken mm. it to the nth level. And, and it's unfortunate, but I've always wanted people to judge me based on my character, what you see on my voting record, the things I stand for, which is what the people of my district, I always made myself available. They could call me, I'd show up. They have a problem. I would work on solving it. I had one constituent that was not very nice to me, but they still, I take their call. They had a problem with chickens. I tried to help them with their chicken. The neighbor had chickens. Mm -hmm. They had stuff illegally dumped behind their property. I asked somebody to go pick it up and they did clean it up. So it, it is, it's not an easy job because people think you're lining your pockets with money. I just upgraded my car. I've had a 2002 car. I had it since 2000 six. Okay. So it was four years old when I got it. I upgraded from a 2002 to a 2010. So I live in the same little house, two bedroom, one bath, but it's my home. And I, you know, I have always wanted to serve. Like I said, I wanted to be a teacher at five, but it doesn't come with its set of challenges. And, and again, when you vote certain ways, people don't always understand. And I would always try to explain, this is why I'm voting this way, because my constituents have asked this of me, <laughs> or I let them know something that's going on before it happens so that they can, my hashtag is show up, stand up, speak up that, you know, my grandmother would say a closed mouth does not get fed. So if there <laughs> is something that's happening that you want changed or done differently or to stay the same, you better speak up about mm. it because once it's done, it's done. Mm. It's hard to undo things because government is super slow, super mm. slow. Oh yeah. No, I'm glad you said that last part. Cause that's what I always say, right? It's like, if, if you didn't vote in an election, you have no right to really say anything afterwards oh, yeah. because you didn't even bother to, fill out your ballot, which doesn't take too long, but just fill out. And if, if there's something you feel strongly about, if not, then just live with whatever is decided for you because you had right. your, your you know choice of being able to 
to vote. And yeah, I mean, you hear all, all that happens, right? I mean, all the people that say all these negative things and all that. And it's a shame that a lot of people, you know, sometimes don't take the time to get to know the candidates, right? And they just like side one way and that's right. it, right? They, they get close-minded to everything and then they play this game where they start to make up things or like you said, you know, something might happen and then they just magnify it. And then sadly, right. it gets See spread around sick. and yeah. And people don't really look into it or, or figure out, okay, what was the real situation? Mm -hmm that was portrayed here and right. so it's yeah that's the negativity of social media which is a shame because there's a lot of good to it but that's the bad side is that one little thing and then people don't really look into it sadly mm -hmm. yeah and and it's unfortunate because you know as a teacher my students would want to defend me because somebody had taken out an ad you know and it was playing on the radio stations and it was saying negative things about me and the students would come to my class and be angry. And they're like, Miss Fugazi, can you believe people are saying this about you? Aren't you going to do something about it? And I said, I can't be bothered with what people are saying about me because they're going to say it. I just have to continue to show people who I am, not tell people, but show people who I am. Because it was, it, it had to do with, you know, like alcohol and I've never even had a cup of coffee in my life. I don't drink. I don't do drugs, you know, and there's that's a personal decision on my part because there was substance abuse in my family. And I knew that that was not going to be the way I lived my life. And for somebody to put that out there and say, you know, that I had done something that I didn't do, it was very hurtful. And that's why, you know, people had asked me to run for mayor sooner. But my parents, my mother said, no, absolutely not. We have been through enough of people saying things about you that, no, you're not going to run for mayor. So I was like, okay, so this time running for, I'm running for mayor now. We had, we sat down for dinner and my significant other, because he had to be on board as well. And my parents, we sat down and we had a discussion. And my parents, my dad said, we'll support you in whatever you decide. If you want to run for mayor, we'll support you running for mayor. And my mom said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so glad he, that, yeah. here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that she was on board with that. I mean, with your family having a history there in the area and all that, I mean, I think it's really special to be able to see someone, you know, in the ancestry, like just reflect back and see that. You know, someone's trying to make a difference in that community that they helped build, right? I mean, you told me all the things that they did there and how, mm. you know, like your family, like even knows the city founder, right? Like there's that, like just so direct connection to the city that it's nice right. to be able to give back to the city in that way of being able to represent it and, and all that. But I mean, I see where your mom was coming from because of all that was going on and it, it could That's definitely just, be hurtful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I will tell you, I feel like it is, it is like my legacy, that it is part of my history, almost that I have an obligation to continue to want to better our community. And it's so different. You know, like I said, as a kid growing up, even I would come to Stockton often because, you know, we'd go to the movies here. Mm -hmm. Even our lunch, we had an hour lunch. And I remember driving from school all the way to Stockton 
to go to Old Time Burrito. I'd go to Old Time Burrito in Sherwood Mall, and then I would go over to Hot Dog on the Stick. So I'd get a burrito and a cheese on the stick and a lemonade, and then drive back to school and be. We would be all eating in the car on our way back to campus. But you know, it 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 was. I remember Stockton ended where McDonald's is on Lower Sacramento Road. There was no like development mm. really past that when I was a kid. And so it just, it just was, I mean, it, it was, it was a charmed life, my childhood. Well, that was a interesting adventure for Lundrum. I'm thinking distances. I'm like, well, that's a, <laughs> that's a way. Well, country road, country road. There weren't any lights. It was just a four way stop there at Lower Sacramento road and eight mm. mile road. There wasn't any lights the whole way from Lodi except there. And then when you got to Pacific and, and Hammer, there was a light. But it was, it was yeah, easy peasy uh, to get to the mall and, and back within an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah, those, <laughs> those were the days of driving. <laughs> yeah. Now there's, there's all the lights and, and all that. But Gas yeah, was yeah. 76 cents a gallon. <laughs> you know, can oh, you imagine yeah. gas at 76 cents a gallon? And they had leaded gas. Mm. So you had leaded unleaded there was none of this premium stuff but now yeah we got all these souped up cars <laughs> yeah i'm like at that price because my, my parents have told me too right oh yeah gas was less than a dollar and in my childhood i think it must have been at some point i just my eyes don't recall ever seeing the <laughs> the sign yeah. be less than a dollar but i'm like I, I don't know i would just like live in the car at that point like it's so cheap to just <laughs> drive around and <laughs> Well, it was cheaper for me to drive home from UC Davis than to call home because I had an MCI, which was like Pac-Bell, but MCI calling card. And I would call home and it was like a dollar a minute or something like that, where, like I said, gas was 76 cents a gallon. I could drive home and back on on like two gallons because I drove a Volkswagen and it was great on gas. And I literally could go back and forth for less than a phone call, the cost of a phone call, which is crazy if you think yeah. about it now. It's unheard of. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, for, for uh, some of the younger people listening, they might be, wait, they used to charge for calls? Isn't it unlimited? Yes, <laughs> yes, to call long distance. Yes, you got charged. <laughs> like, yeah, that's why, that's why some of us people actually like appreciate phone calls more. I mean, I, I you know, growing up in the time where you, you had, you had that, and then with, when cell phones were first introduced, and you had to count your minutes, or you had to call after oh, 8 yeah. p.m., so it was, like, free. <laughs> it was $100 a month for my cell phone. And there was no texting. It was only called, and I had to watch my minutes because I didn't want to go over. But my job required me at that point before I became a teacher. My job required me to drive. And I said, well, I should have this just in case. My dad had one of those bag cell phones, those mm. phones that were in a bag that you could take up to the mountains and still get reception. But I remember people had pagers, mm. you know, and I never had a pager, but I did have a cell phone for emergencies. And I, people, when I call, they're like, your account is older than I am. You've had this account, you know, since 1993. And I was born in like 2000, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, wow, I should get a prize for that. I should get something for having, 
you know, the same phone number and the same company since 1993, even though it's changed names three or four times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you should, right? It's like, look how, this is how loyal I am to, <laughs> yeah. to this, that, yeah, should get a discount. Well, I know a few years ago, too, you became an assistant principal, transitioning from that role from teaching to being in, in that for Stockton Unified. Just tell me, how was that transition like for you, especially given that when you started, you still had like one more year as a council member? How was that for you? So when I was, so before, before I was at Venture, I was in administration. And then I decided, listen, I didn't want to go to another meeting about a meeting to plan another meeting. I missed being with the kids. So I went to back to the classroom because I was doing an admin job. Then, and I got my, I went through the admin program at CSU Stanislaus at the Stockton campus here in Stockton, but I chose to leave that and go back into the classroom because I was like 30, early thirties. And I said, these teachers don't want to listen to me. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm too young. I don't have enough experience. According to them, I looked a lot younger than I was. And so I said, nah, give me the kids. But Being on council, I learned real quick that if our largest school district doesn't succeed, then this city will never succeed. Because Mm -hmm. when companies look to relocate or put one of their hubs with good paying jobs, they're going to look at the level of education. They're going to look at our test scores. They're going to look at our crime rates. They're going to look at our community at large. So I sit here and I say, listen, Either I can stand on the sidelines or I can get into the game. And so I decided that uh, I would return to administration and I applied to Stockton Unified and I was interviewed. There were a number of vacancies and I said, well, I'd really like to be at Edison High School in South Stockton. A lot of the kids that go to Edison live in my district at that time. And so I said, I want to serve the families in my, in my council district as well. And I had my nephews went to school there too. So it was nice to see them. But I will tell you, it was very hard at first because I was a politician. People thought I was there, that I was given the job. They thought that somebody was doing me a favor, that I was unqualified. Needless to say, I had, you know, 24 years or, well, 25 years of experience, 24 years of experience as a teacher and a former administrator, mind you. So I'm at Edison. It's nearly uh, 2,800 students. And at Venture, I had 250 where I did everything. I counseled, I advised, I, I, even though I wasn't the administrator we dealt with all the discipline. There was nothing like, oh, go to the office. We dealt with discipline. We did our own little detentions. You know, they'd have to do recycling or something like that, clean all the recyclables, but making that leap and then kids not knowing me, you know, they tried to test me. But it's funny because when I went from Edison then to Stag, kids see me and they go in the other direction. Because if you're out walking around, they know I'm going to come up. Hello. Hi, Louise. How are you today? 
Shouldn't you be in PE right now, Luis? Mm-hmm. I think I know your schedule. Why are you out here when you should be in PE right now? You're not even dressed, you know? And so the kids know that I'm going to call them out. And so some of them say, oh, I hate that AP. And I say, thank you. That means I'm doing my job because mm-hmm. I want you to be your best every day. And mm-hmm. I'm here to help you be your best because eventually you're going to be 18. You're not going to be a high school student anymore. And you're going to be out in the world. And you're going to need to be able to work or have a job, show up on time, mm-hmm. you know, show up, period, be able to do things, be able to communicate treat people with respect. I mean, the whole laundry list of things. I said, high school is preparation for that. So, you know, if you want to cuss me out, you're not the first, you know, like, (laughs) let's be more creative, go to English class, let's learn some new vocabulary (laughs) words. Because, you know, and, and it's normally it's not really, I don't take it personal. Because Kids don't have coping skills. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to express themselves because they're too busy texting. Mm -hmm. Like I can't even understand their text messages because they write in this code. I'm Mm -hmm. like, what does that mean? I don't even know that. I'm just like, I thought I was with it, but obviously I'm not. But but again, some kids are like, thank you, Miss Bugazi, for caring enough and parents for caring enough to make sure I stay on the right track. Yeah, no, you're right about high school being the place where you prepare. And it's unfortunate. I mean, when kids are in high school, they don't realize those things. It's not until you become an adult, you actually get to your 30s that you actually realize, you know what? There's a lot of things that I didn't like in school that now it all makes sense why it was this Mm -hmm. (laughs) Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shoulda, coulda, woulda is what I say. But that's why, you know, and being in the classroom, I had really, really amazing relationships with my students. I I have a poster in my room that they say, we love you, Miss Fugazi, and their pictures are up there and just really special. And now that I'm an administrator, now I'm the hammer. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm the disciplinarian. I'm not the cool teacher that everybody wants to be in, in, you know, my class. But every chance I get to go into somebody's class because they have a sub or the teacher goes to an IEP meeting or, you know, has to be out of the class. I'm like, I'll go into their class. And I've been in piano. I've been in, you know, different levels of math classes, English classes, Spanish classes, science classes. I'm like, hey, let me go into your class. I'll teach. And they're like, really? And I'm like, hey, I've done just about everything. So yes, I will go into your class and I will teach. And I've been into this one class. I actually more than one. I would teach them how to do a five paragraph essay. And I'd say, let's do one right now because they're on block schedules. You have 90 to 95 minutes in a class. I said, you can do this. And and I gave them everything, showed them a thesis statement, told them to underline them, do their three body paragraph, their concluding paragraph, you know, restating their thesis mm-hmm. statement, put a quote in there or something. And then at STAG, I said, okay, every, anyone who completes it and does it in the format that I did, you'll get something. I gave everybody something. But the kids who completed it correctly, and I was blown away. They were, I was, they did such a good job. They got crumble cookies. And Ooh. some of them had never had a crumble cookie, didn't know what a crumble cookie was. And then I brought it to them in an individual mm-hmm. box and gave it to them. Ooh. And they were like, <laughs> and one student was absent but I gave them out on a Friday. So on Monday, they came looking for me. Where's my crumble cookie? I said, 
Yeah, I ate it. Sorry. You weren't in school. You <laughs> snooze, you lose. I mean, you know, that's why you have to show up. Okay. Mm-hmm. You should have been at school. You would have gotten it. But well, no, won't you go get me another one? Nope. That's mm-hmm. a tough lesson you got to learn. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, but I love being in the classroom, but being an administrator and encouraging teachers and mm-hmm. working with teachers and, and helping, like I said, make sure that all of our students are on the right track. Because again, until Stockton Unified succeeds, the city as a whole won't. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's where you start, right? That's where the new generations are at. That's, that's the future community, right? That's the future. The future <laughs> the uh, employees and future mm-hmm. employees. And when people say we don't have an educated workforce, I say, then why do we have 100,000 cars going over the Altamont every day? If the Central Valley, if we don't have an mm-hmm. educated workforce, why are they going over the hill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. And so when people like want to bring a program or something like that, I say, why don't you bring a division of your company, train our people, the people that live here, and give them a livable wage with benefits. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do that? If you really care about our community, do that. Mm-hmm. Or you could work with the schools and let's train your workforce. You mm-hmm. tell us what it is. What are the skills that they need in order to be successful in your company? We'll build your workforce. Yeah. That's a really good plan. That's how it should be. And, you know, companies should benefit from that too, right? Because like you said, people going to the Bay Area, going down there, they have to pay more. So it almost it benefits them as well, right? Considering that the wage won't be as high, but it'll still be a good level wage. And right. you keep people local. They don't have to and go the overhead. For the overhead here is much cheaper. I mean, land in the Bay Area mm-hmm. is more. I mean, just everything. Gas is more. All of the things, like I said, the infrastructure related things or the overhead to operate a company is more expensive in the Bay Area than it is here. And I'll give you a perfect example. So we have the UP, you know, so we have all the rail lines, UP, BNSF, Amtrak with the San Joaquin's, and we have ACE Rail. So we have the regional rail maintenance facility that is over at Alpine and West Lane. It's a huge facility. Well, now Oakland is contracting with us to do their maintenance because they've run out of space. So they'll bring their trains here to get worked on. Well, that industry is a, I don't want to say dying, but it's, people are retiring. There's the gray wave, so to speak. And they cherry pick employees. So we've started a rail academy called Track C. So in addition to being on council, I was chair of the regional rail commission. And I said, they kept saying, I'm like, why do we have all these vacancies? Why can't we run more trains? Why is it this? Why is it that? And they said, we just don't have the manpower. I said, great, let's grow our own. So the program just started in January with 25 young people. 25 young people, they'll do six months in the program, they'll get to interview and there are jobs that they could do, or they could continue with their coursework through Sac City and in the transportation department, and they can become conductors and engineers and get those Mm -hmm. jobs. And they're all livable wage jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm really glad that there's that opportunity for people there and that we have 
it always feels nice when we have cities from the Bay Area coming down to the Central Valley for anything, right? It's like, yeah. oh, that means that, you know, we're growing, we're doing something that, and plus, like you said, they don't have any space over there. So no. we have no. so much space over here that it's like, right. yeah, what do you want? Right. <laughs> we can we make do. it happen. <laughs> that's that's the perks of, of being here. In addition to not having all the traffic they get. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to give you this opportunity to say anything that you haven't said yet. So is there anything else you'd like to share with uh, the world <laughs> listening? <laughs> Well, I, I know that this interview went way over. I will talk as long as you let me talk, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, I get paid to talk for a living, for crying out loud. But I would just say, kind of along your same vein, is that you know knowledge is power. And you really need to educate yourself, not just on the issues, but on the people that are representing you. Yes, I'm running for mayor. You know, and I would love to get people's votes and I would love to answer any questions that they may have. But I truly believe that this community has so much to offer. There are so many great things about our city. And unfortunately, though, it's overshadowed by other things. And those other things, you know, we need to ensure people's safety. Public safety is number one. You know, we've got parks that are underutilized because. There are negative things in our parks, but we need to we need to work on that. We need to have more things for kids to do. And so their parents aren't going, you know, crazy like, oh, this kid is driving me crazy. But like I said, the quality of life, though, is is probably the overarching theme. But many hands make for light work. That's another thing my grandmother said. Many hands make for light work. So if everybody pitched in just a little, just a little, or offered kindness, said every day I'm going to be kind to the people I speak to. We could really turn things around in this city. And that's what my goal is. My goal is to lead this city to better days. And with the support of council, us being on the same page and having city management that supports us in those efforts, I really think we can do that. Yeah, I'm really glad that you have that plan and like you said right i hope people take the you know it's just even just a few minutes right to like look over the candidates and not just go with the first person they see or just pick randomly out of a ballot and <laughs> it's like I whatever know people who name, flip a uh, coin. i know people who flip a coin but yeah, i always or... say again show me don't tell me show me show me and I've always rolled up my sleeves. There is no job that is beneath me. You know, I'm willing to do uh, whatever, whatever it takes. And like I said, if, if, if I get the support of the people, that's exactly what you'll get from me. And my previous record will demonstrate that. My record as a teacher, as an administrator, my record as a former council member, my record as a planning commissioner, my record as a community activist and a volunteer. I mean, I walk the talk. It's not just talk for me. It's it's how I live. That's how I, I, I go through life. Yeah, and I would tell people, look at LinkedIn profiles. In fact, this interview, I went to Christina's LinkedIn profile. You have all your history on there with experience, with education. You have some recommendations also on there. I mean, it's it's like everything you want and just one page is is right there. So Thank you. Regardless of like where, where people are from, right? Whatever city, all the elections that are going on, just like do more research, right? I mean, don't always believe what someone says and 
you know, get to know more of, of the person and give them a call, right? I mean, it's like yes. it's a few minutes, call, talk to someone, meet them in person and make a better judgment after you've actually gone to know them because it's, it's a scary world out there with people making things up or magnifying things and then just spreading it around and other people believing that everyone just needs to learn more of those critical thinking skills, which again, going back to school, that's something that you get taught and that's something that if you take to well, heart, you you yeah, get to be like that. Yeah. These things are dummy phones. I don't call them a smartphone because you don't have to think with a phone. You can just Google Siri. Tell me this isn't an Apple, but the iPhone. But you could say Google, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they'll look it up for you. And with artificial intelligence now, unlike with me, what you see is what you get. And I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I am high energy. I am ADHD. I'm all over squirrel. I'm on, I, like in this interview, you know, I've gone everywhere around in circles, but just know that, you know, my goal is to serve everyone to the best of my ability because I can't be my best unless I help other people be their best. Oh yeah. So, no. so thank you, Luis. I appreciate the opportunity to sit and speak with you. And I hope, you know, you, the people that tune into your podcast, if they have any questions, you know, they can reach out to me 209-210-2795. But remember, I'm at school, so I'll call you after school. But during the day, it's really hard for me to answer personal calls because my job is dedicated to our children. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too. Yeah, because people need to realize that like you have a day job too. <laughs> and uh, yes, you know, it's, I'm it, not it retired. <laughs> I'm not a, you know, they say career politician. Yes, I've been in politics, but I'm a career educator. You know, my entire adult professional life has been an educator. So yeah. this is yeah. my side hustle. Politics is my side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I find it impressive. I mean, with the, any politician out there that's still, in their career, still doing that. And then, you know, you get out of work and then you have to go over here and dedicate more time, right? All your quote unquote free time to the community is just, it's really amazing all the different things that people do and, and all that. So, uh, I mean, and the people that are retired, I think it's also amazing, right? It's like, oh, they're, they could be out traveling and they could be out doing other things, but they want to dedicate all that free time they have to that. So I guess like both sides are... <laughs> Are impressive yeah. there. Well, thank you so much, Christina, again thank for uh, for being on here. Thank I'm glad you. that we timed it still before elections. It still uh, works out, and you know, good luck next Tuesday. I hope to have you back on so we could talk about November and how that will be like, and and all that. So, uh, yeah, Me too. Look, looking forward <laughs> to that, and it'll probably be more of a live show kind of situation. I think for that episode um once election times roll around i think I, I i might have something planned for not just stockton but other cities as well around okay. that okay well so let me know if you more, need more help. to come <laughs> i'm happy to help in any way i can yeah i might need help maybe yeah, looking at the other candidates and and who i should be reaching out to uh, if i get something established for okay. for that so well let me know perfect okay well let thank me. you so much and just another reminder, again, it doesn't matter where you live at, even if you don't live in the 209, March 5th are the primaries. And if you registered to vote, you should have already gotten your ballot. If you didn't, but uh, you are still registered, then you still have the option of going to your 
local office and actually getting the ballot there, filling it out there. Or if you don't want to mail it, you could still uh, take your mail-in ballot there and leave it at your local office there as well. So definitely vote if you get a chance. Again, as I mentioned earlier, if you don't vote, you really don't have a right to really complain about anything. (laughs) It's what I always say. So if you miss one, then uh, you know you weren't able to state your voice there. So uh, go ahead and do that. And of course, in the general elections in November as well. But I think sometimes the primaries don't get that much like importance just because they're not as highly, I think, broadcasted as general ones. But they do make a difference with every single thing that you're voting for there. And, you know, in the case of mayor here, specifically in Stockton, there's a few candidates that are in the ballot there. And basically the way it works is that if any candidate gets more than 50% of the vote, then they get elected. If they don't, then the top two who got the most votes are the ones who move on to the general election. So that makes a big difference right there. So make sure that you go out there, give your vote and vote on every single thing that is in the ballot. Don't miss anything. And Try not to do the coin toss thing. Try to actually, uh, you know, learn a little bit more about the people that you that you're uh, voting for, because it shouldn't be a coin toss that decides <laughs> the future of your community. So uh, definitely do that. And if you want more information, also if you vote there in person, they usually have the guides that have a little bit more about each candidate and their background and all that. So definitely take the time to read that. It's only going to take you a few minutes of your time. Again always know that your vote is really important. Anything that you decide makes a big difference in your community, especially in these elections that are local, that oftentimes they are actually more important than the general national uh, elections, because this is exactly what you're seeing. These are the things that are making a difference in your community. And anything you decide, you're going to feel the impact of it locally versus nationally. You don't always feel the impact as much. And for anyone locally, you can actually speak to them, you can actually meet with them, and you have more of a voice local uh, because you get that opportunity to interact with your uh, local city council and also attend the meetings and see what's going on as well. So if you haven't followed The 209 Journey on social media yet, I invite you to do so. You can find it at The 209 Journey on Facebook, X formerly Twitter, and Instagram. Check it out. I know I keep saying it episode by episode, but I do have a lot of plans, especially for the Instagram page to actually post more content on there, like videos of events going on, fairs, a lot of things, even businesses, places I've interviewed that on here on the podcast, business owners and uh, highlighting the things that they mentioned on the podcast as well. So all that will be coming soon and I'll be posting regularly when that happens. So if you follow the Instagram page, you'll be able to find out when those posts get added. And also when new episodes get posted, I always share it on Facebook and Instagram. I'm lagging a little bit on like Twitter. Uh, The platforms that I get more uh, traction on are typically Facebook and Instagram, specifically Instagram, which I'm actually trying to grow that to a thousand followers by the end of the year. And as of this recording, I think I'm just like uh, just a couple, I think just like three or four followers away from getting to that halfway point. And so it's been a pretty good journey this year. I've been able to gain a lot more followers. So check it out at the 209 Journey on Instagram.
So on my upcoming episode, episode 52 or season two, episode 18, I'm going to be interviewing another pizza business owner, this one specifically from Merced. So we're going to be talking about how that business got started and all the different kinds of pizza that they offer as well. So definitely subscribe so you find out when that episode and any upcoming episodes get posted because I probably will be posting episodes twice a week like I was doing uh, a few weeks back as well. So, well, I hope everyone has a good morning or good night whenever you might be listening to me. And you'll hear me again in a few days here on the 209 Journey Podcast. <laughs>